I wonder what you do when life doesn't turn out the way you thought it should be. When the way you dreamed about it isn't the way it's happening. What do you do when life throws you a curveball and you weren't ready for the pitch? When you feel like you got the raw end of the deal and life just isn't fair? What do you do when life is hard? Circumstances are difficult, and the temptation to do the wrong thing or act in the wrong way seems to be the easier way out. If you have your Bibles tonight, you can open them with me to Luke chapter 1, and let's read about a couple who were faced with those very questions, but would you just pray with me first? Father God, I thank you and I praise you that you are indeed Emmanuel, God with us. I thank you that you're here tonight, Lord. We don't have to beg you for your presence. You are Emmanuel, God with us. You're not gonna leave us. You're not gonna forsake us. You're not gonna relax your hold on us. But Father, I pray that you would just grant us a revelation of your presence, Lord, that we would just have a sense, Lord, just have a sense of your presence here with us tonight. I pray that you'd fall like fire and descend like rain. I pray that you'd saturate this sanctuary, Lord, with your presence, that your sweet Holy Spirit would hover over these pews, Lord. God, I thank you that you know every woman here by name. You know everything about her, Lord. You know everything she's ever done, everything that's ever been done to her, Lord. You know the secret things in her life, and you couldn't love her any more than you already do. Father, I pray for each woman. I pray, Lord God, that you would speak a message directly into each of their hearts. I thank you that you are an individual God, your personal God, that you have an individual message for each woman here tonight. And I pray, Father, that you would open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive like we never have before. Lord, that we would hear your voice that your word would pierce our hearts, Lord God. Father, I ask that you would make my mouth like a sharpened sword, like a pen in the hand of a skillful writer, that you would give us revelation even as I teach, Lord God, that a spirit of wisdom and revelation would be hovering over each of these women, and Lord, that you would give insight and wisdom, that you would download information about your word and about yourself to each of us here tonight, Lord, and that we would leave here changed because we've been in the presence of a holy God. We thank you, Lord, that you're here. We thank you that, that, that you are Emmanuel. And we give you praise and honor and glory tonight in Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter one, Luke chapter one, I'll begin reading in verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. 
and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel said and answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for, whom, for her who was called barren, for with God, oh, can I just tell you, with God, nothing is impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maid servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now I want you to turn over to Matthew chapter 1, and I want to, to just read a little bit about Joseph. Matthew chapter 1 in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make a public example of her, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought on these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary to be your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. I, I want to stop there because I'm not going to preach on this, although I'm tempted. His name is Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. I, I love that. That word save, it's it salvation. And so often we just think of it being, he's going to save me from a burning hell and take me to heaven. And that's indeed what it means. But, but can I also tell you that it means deliverance. And, and I wonder tonight if, if there's anybody here who needs delivered from something, who needs saved from something. It means, it means to, to bring wholeness. And I just wonder if there's any broken women here tonight that need some wholeness. Are there any addicted women who need deliverance? Are there any broken women who need healed? Oh, can I tell you about Jesus he came, that baby in the manger came to save you and I, to deliver you and I, not just from a burning hell to a heaven. He came to deliver us from the hard things in life, to set us free. He says, you shall call his name Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. So all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. And did not know her till she brought forth her firstborn son and called his name Jesus. This story is familiar uh, to us. Most of us have heard it all of our life. In my home, we read it every Christmas. It's, it, it's just tradition in our home. But, but don't let the familiarity make you stuck there tonight. I, I think so often we become familiar with something and we, it loses its punch. 
There's temptation to read this story and just be entertained by it. But, but if we do that, we miss the tension of the story. And if we miss that tension, we miss an important detail of the Christmas, uh, the Christmas message. I want you to think for a moment about the anxiety and the apprehension that Mary must have felt with the news that the angel was delivering. Her whole life was about to be dramatically impacted by that news. Think about Joseph. I I want you to contemplate the disappointment and the anger that Joseph probably experienced with the news that the one he loved, that the one who had pledged her faithfulness to him, the, the, the one who he was going to call his wife was pregnant and it wasn't his child. I want you to put yourself in their places tonight and imagine for a moment what it must have been like for them. I'm sure it wasn't the way they dreamed their life would turn out. Oh, we know the rest of the story, and we know how great it's going to end, but they didn't know that at that time. All they knew was this angel had appeared to Mary and told her that that, that she was going to conceive a child through the Holy Spirit. Do you understand how that would have impacted her life? She was a young girl. Most commentators say she probably would have been between 13 and and 15 years old. She's a teenager. I have a 13-year-old. It's hard for me to imagine her receiving news like this. But here was a woman who was betrothed. That word betrothed or pledged to be married is similar to what our engagement period would have looked like. Uh, Mary and Joseph were engaged to be married. But there was a small difference difference between that word betrothal and what we know as engagement. You see, they took betrothal very, very seriously in Bible times. In fact, so seriously that the only way a betrothal or an engagement could be broken was through divorce. Betrothal was so serious that, most, that, that Mary and Joseph would have been known as man and wife, as husband and wife, even though their marriage hadn't been consummated yet, and even though uh, that there had not been a marriage ceremony at this point, they still would have been, and we see in Scripture, they're referred to as husband and wife. That betrothal would have probably been arranged by their parents, and, and, and there would have been a price paid for Mary, a bride price, they call it. And, and there probably would have been some kind of contract uh, 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 arranged for this marriage. It was taken very, very seriously. And they were in that betrothal time when that angel came to Mary and said, guess what, Mary? In fact, I love what it says. It says, rejoice for your highly favored. Uh, uh, that just makes me giggle. Because you see, before all of this happened, there were 400 years of Silence. That's what we see between the Old Testament and the New Testament. There were 400 years of silence. God hadn't, hadn't spoken. We didn't hear anything from his prophets in 400 years. He was silent. And then all of a sudden, Mary, and, and I just picture it being her going through the normal motions of her day. It was another day, just like today is for you and I. And in the middle of that mundane, ordinary day, suddenly an angel appears. Can you just imagine? You see, sometimes we become so familiar with this story that we lose its punch. She was a young girl. 
pledged to be married. Can you imagine? Do you remember being a young girl? Do you remember? That's a long time ago for me, but do you remember playing a bride? I remember getting dressed up and wearing my mom's scarves like a veil. And do, do you remember thinking, I can't wait to get married? As a teenager, do you remember planning your wedding and, and, and picturing what it was going to be like? It, it was a day that you couldn't wait for. Do, do you remember that? And, and that's where Mary would have been. She would have been excited and, and full of expectation about this marriage that was going to take place. And, and I'm sure life was good and, and there was a lot of anticipation for both her and Joseph. She would have been living with her parents during this betrothal time, not with Joseph. And he would have been preparing a home for them. And, and I love that because it's a picture of what, what Christ is doing for us right now. Do you know that we're his bride? He is our bridegroom, and he's gone, and he's preparing a place for us in heaven, and he's going to come back someday, and, and that's how this betrothal period worked. Joseph would have been preparing a home for them, and then just when the time is right and everything was perfect, he would have sent for her. There would have been a long processional. There would have been a feast. It would have been a big deal. And, and that's what she's anticipating in all of this. And, and so one day when she's just going through the motions of life, all of a sudden an angel appears to her. And, and he says to her, rejoice. That's his first word to her, rejoice. I, I'm sorry, but if you have to tell me to rejoice, there must be a reason I'm not going to want to. Are you with me? It, that word rejoice is the same word. This is tricky. It's the same word that Jesus uses when he says, now, you're going to be persecuted. Blessed are you. When you are persecuted and, and people say all kinds of evil things about you and they hurt you because of me. Rejoice, he says. <laughs> I love it. It's the same word. <laughs> In other words, now it's going to hurt a lot and people are going to be nasty to you and and you're going to be persecuted. But guess what? I want you to rejoice. That's what the angel said to Mary. Rejoice! Highly favored one. You are so favored. And here's how favored you are. You're in the middle of an engagement. You're a young girl. You're in a culture where you need to be married. You can't be a single mom. <laughs> and, and, and you're going to get pregnant. And it's not going to be your husband-to-be's child. And, well, you're not even going to get pregnant the normal way. The, the Holy Spirit's just going to overshadow you. And, and, and you, lucky duck, are going to get to tell everybody that. You see, do you see how we've become familiar with this? We want to say, Rhea, she is going to be the, the mother to the Messiah. This was not bad news for her. Are you silly? Don't let that idea that you've been so familiar with this story uh, just make you miss something here. I am sure she is like, are you kidding me? What are they going to say? Do you know what you're saying to me? In fact, the word says that Mary was troubled, and that word means agitated. It means really troubled. And she wasn't troubled at the angel. You see, don't you love when in the Bible anytime an angel appears, the first words are what? Fear not. <laughs> Would you fear if one appeared in front of you? Uh, he doesn't even, I, I love that, that she wasn't troubled at the angel <laughs> appearing. She was troubled, the word says, at him saying, at the manner of greeting. <laughs> what in the world 
are you saying to me? Do, do you understand that I'm about to be married? Do you understand that I live in a little small community? I was raised in a small community. I want to just tell you I understand this. Uh, those of you who have been ever been in a small community, you'll, you'll relate to this. Everybody knows everything about everybody. Are you with me? There, there aren't any secrets in a small community. And, and this was a small community that she was living in. And I'm sure she thought, what in the world are people going to say? Now, I want you to just think about this. She had to go home and say, mom, dad, I'm pregnant. That's, that's a no-no to begin with. Are you with me? But now, Mom, I'm, I'm not just pregnant. It's not Joseph's. I, I'm pregnant with the Holy Spirit's child. <laughs> How many years of silence? 400. People aren't, aren't, aren't thinking about God speaking and doing this kind of thing. And now this, this teenager, you know, teenager. How many of you have teenagers? Sometimes they do the squirreliest things, do they not? I, I just can't imagine having a teenager coming to me and say, Now, Mom... I know you're not going to believe this, but I'm pregnant. And this angel, she appeared to me, and, and she, uh, you know, he said to me that, that I'm going to conceive a child by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> what do you think her parents thought? I kind of have an idea. I'm just peeking around Scripture here, around the corner of, of Scripture here. But, but what strikes me is that we find out that Mary, when she heard that Elizabeth was pregnant, the word says that immediately she went up to the hill country. And she stayed there for three months. Nowhere do we see her parents asking any questions. Nowhere do they, do they call for her and say, hello, you've been there a little too long. Maybe you need to come home right now. Nowhere do we see her going to them and saying, do you mind if I go to the hill country to see Elizabeth? We don't see any of that. Scripture's silent about that. But, but, but I wonder. I'm just wondering here. What did they say? What did they think? Did they think she had lost her mind? Did they think that, that maybe she wasn't as stable as they thought she was? Did they, were they just so disappointed? Did they think that maybe she was trying to cover something up? I don't know. But what I do know is this was not easy news for Mary to get. She had to go tell Joseph. <laughs> Oh, I, I have the most tender husband in the whole wide world. But I can't imagine going and telling him, guess what, I'm pregnant and the baby is not yours. Can you imagine? You see, we're so familiar with this story. Don't miss the punch. So she had to go tell tell Joseph, and what was he going to say? And we know what Joseph is going to say, because I read that to you. The word says that, that, that he had in mind to divorce her quietly. He was done. I, he, he was done with this relationship. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. He, you see, that's how it had to happen, because they were betrothed. The only way to end the relationship would be through divorce. But, 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 but I love that. The word says that as he was considering this, considering what? Considering divorcing her. <laughs> You don't think her whole world just crashed. But I love it. Because the word says that she said to the angel, Be it unto me according to your word. Do you love that that was her response to something so hard and so painful and so life-altering 
yeah, we know the end of the story. We know how great it is. She's going to get to be the, the mother of the Messiah. And, and, but, but at that moment, do you love that she could embrace God's will and say, may it be to me according to your word? Let me ask you a question, church. What would happen if we began to live our life embracing whatever God brought across our path, whatever he asked of us, whatever he said in his word? What would happen if we went day to day throughout our life, whatever God asked of us, we would say, may it be to me according to your word. She trusted him. It's interesting to me that, that the word says that Mary consider, Mary thought about these things and pondered them in her heart. That word ponder means to confer with some, oneself. It means she's thinking about all this stuff that's been going on in her life. An angel appeared. I'm pregnant with the, with the Holy Spirit's baby. I, I'm carrying the Messiah. These shepherds are coming. The, 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 the wise men are coming. And she's contemplating and pondering all this in her heart. I mean, she's conferring with herself, and she could still arrive at that same conclusion. May it be to me according to your word. Now, Joseph, the word says, considered, and that word means pondered as well, but his pondering looks a little bit different than Mary's. Who knows that? The, the word says that he pondered, and he didn't arrive at that same conclusion right away. He didn't immediately say, may it be to me according to your word. No, the word says that he was considering, and that word ponder means to ponder, but, but it has an element of wrath involved in it. It really is a compound word, and what's included in that compound word is the word thymus, and it means anger, it means heated passion, it means he was ticked off. He was fuming, one commentator says. He was very angry. I wonder if anything's ever happened in your life that made you fume, that made you angry. That even though we don't see Joseph acting on it, he was just thinking it. It was in his mind. I wonder how many of you would be able to admit that there's been things in your life that have happened that have really kind of ticked you off. I know you're far more spiritual than I am, but I wonder if there's anybody here that would be willing to admit, Rhea, sometimes life doesn't happen the way I wanted it to. Sometimes I feel like I got the raw end of the deal. Sometimes, just sometimes, Rhea, I question what's going on in my life and it ticks me off. I wonder if anybody's ever been there that's where Joseph was and he was thinking about this he was pondering it but not in the same way as Mary and I love that that two the, those two pictures of the word ponder because isn't it different look at Mary's you, you never see Mary agitated you never see her really you just see her embracing what God has asked her to do I ran into a friend today at a restaurant and she was angry, and you could see it on her face. And uh, she is, uh, she's been divorced recently, and, and her, her ex-husband wants to take the children and move far away with them, and she won't get to see them. And she was angry, angry, angry about it. And you could see it all over her face. And, and she had called me last week, and she left a message about it. And she called again this week and left a message about it. And she just said the same thing on every message. And she said the same thing when I saw her in the restaurant today. And, and finally, I took her by the hand, and I said to her, what would happen Instead of you getting angry with him, instead of you lashing out at him, instead of you getting furious and letting this consume your thinking, what would happen if instead you said, Lord, let it be to me according 
to your word. Whatever you want, Lord, I trust you. I trust you more than I trust the circumstances. I trust you, Lord, more than I trust what is making me uncomfortable. I trust you, Lord. May it be to me according to your word. I said, what would happen if you just loved him, if you respected him, if you honored him, if you, if you were being encouraging with your children instead of getting angry and furious and saying things that you don't want to say? My 13-year-old was with me at the restaurant, and, and we were driving home, and she looked at me, and she said, Mama, I had no idea she was eavesdropping on our conversation, but on the way home, she said to me, Mama, uh, she just, Mrs. So-and-so just keeps going back to the past, doesn't she? And she keeps going over it and over it and over it. And I said, yeah, honey, she does. I think that was, that was Joseph. He was mauling it over and over and over in his head. And he was trying to reason it and figure it out himself. How could have it changed if he would have just said, Lord, may it be to me according to your word. He eventually did get to that place, but how would it change our life? If instead of mulling things over, instead of getting angry when life doesn't happen the way we want it to, well, when the picture we, we dreamed of, well, when, when the way we thought it should happen doesn't happen, what would happen if instead we said, Lord, I trust you. I trust you with my life. I'm not going to look at the circumstances no, no matter how uncomfortable they are for me, no matter how much it's, it's going to burden me, no matter how painful it might be, I trust you, Lord, and I am going to believe that you are at work at this in ways I can't even imagine. You see, what Mary, what Mary was able to do in saying, Lord, may it be to me according to your word. Well, what she, what you and I know is that God was in that thing. He was in that thing. But I wonder, did the people talk? My mother had an affair all my life. My mother had one affair after another and when I, when I was 25 years old, I found out that I was conceived in one of her affairs. I can't even tell you how much that impacted my life. You know, you think that the man who raised you was your father and you find out that he's not. And, and when I found out who my father was, I, I went home to meet him and he died in the same restaurant that I met him at six days later. What I didn't know is that people at 25 years old were still talking. They never really let my mom live that down. And, and, and really, they didn't let me live it down. When I go home yet today, people will still say, you know, you're so-and-so's so -and -so's dad. You're so-and-so's daughter. I wonder if people talked. We know they did because in the beginning of, of one of the, the Gospels, it says that, that Jesus was the son, so it was thought of Joseph. <laughs> Jesus was a son, so it was thought of Joseph. I wonder how it affected Mary. I wonder how her parents reacted. The word says that Joseph um, had in mind to divorce her publicly because he didn't want to shame her anymore. That tells me there would have been need for her to be shamed. Do you know that Mary, because she was pregnant out of wedlock, that the law said, the, the law said, 
that she deserved to be stoned because it would have looked like she would have been accused of, have, uh, of being unfaithful to Joseph. And so the law said that she deserved to be stoned. Can you just imagine what that little thing is thinking? She knows she, that the law says that. She knows that she's going to be disgraced, and yet she could still embrace that thing and say, Lord, may it be to me according to your word. What would happen if we started to trust God more than we trust what's happening around us? When all chaos breaks, breaks out around us, when things are not happening the way we want it to, what would happen if we really trusted God? If we really said, Lord, I don't understand what's going on in my life. I don't like what's going on in my life right now, but I know you're in the details. Can I just tell you that my Jesus is in the details? He's in the details. Do you trust him? That's the question I have for you. Do you trust him? So the angel says to Mary, rejoice, lucky duck, you're highly favored. <laughs> and then that angel appears to, to Joseph. And, and here's what strikes me. I want to know why he didn't appear to Joseph and Mary together. He did that for uh, Elizabeth and her husband. He appeared, he, you know, they, they got the same story right away. And I wonder why Joseph was let to mull this over. I wonder why he had time to think about this before the angel came to him. I wonder why he, he, he had, to, had to deal with this and, and work this through himself before the angel came and said, guess what, Joseph, she's telling you the truth, big guy. She's, she's being honest with you. This is the real deal. Can you just not be afraid to take her as your wife? Sometimes I think God does that to me. I don't know about you, but... You see, I know the right way to, to act. I, I know the, the right decision to make. I, I, I know what he says about things, and yet sometimes it's not what I want to do. When's the last time something hard happened in your life? And you knew that maybe God didn't want you to react the way you did, or you knew he wanted you to, to be kind instead of be nasty. And you mulled it over. <laughs> I wonder why the angel let him do that. Matthew gives us a little clue because he says, Joseph was a just man. <laughs> I love that. The new, uh, the new NIV, I want to just read you from there. The new NIV says, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, let, yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. The, the word says that he was a just man, and what it means is he was faithful to the law. He kept the law. Do you know that the, that the law said that Mary deserved to be stoned? And so here was a man who was faithful to the law. He knew what the law said Mary deserved, and yet the word says that he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Do you love that? he's so gentle like that? Do you love that he's such a good man? That Mary, you see, the law said tit for tat. The law said an eye for an eye, a tooth for the tooth. The law said that Mary deserved to be punished for what, what was happening in her life. But do you love that Joseph said there's got to be another way around this? In the middle of his pain, in the middle of his heartache, in the middle of his disappointment, he was able to, to oh, I love it. He was able to reprocess his anger as grace and mercy. What would happen, dear ones, if we started to reprocess our anger, our disappointments, 
as grace and mercy. He was a man who kept the law. And yet, instead of giving Mary what the law said she deserved, he was trying to find another way out. He gave her grace and mercy. I love it. Don't you know he was hurting? Don't you know he was disappointed that his dreams were crushed? I, I wonder if we have any women here tonight whose dreams have been crushed, who somebody let them down, somebody disappointed them. Any women here who, 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 who life didn't turn out the way you thought it should, you knew it would, or, or possibly it could, but it didn't turn out that way. I just wonder if there's any of you here tonight. Can I just tell you, there, there's a better way to look at this. Can you, instead of reacting to those things around you, can you instead say, Lord, let it be to me according to your word. I trust you with my life. I know that you can redeem all things. I know that you're going to use this for good, and I am going to reprocess my disappointments and my anger into grace and mercy. I had lunch with my mother-in-law yesterday, and I love her to pieces, and we were sitting at lunch, and, and I, I was telling her about something that someone had said to me. Any, anybody here ever have somebody say something to them that hurt deeply? And, and I told her about, a, a, I was going to see a woman who had hurt me deeply, and I told her what she said, and, and she was appalled, and, and, and I, I just I started to cry, and I said, you know, this, this has hurt me so deeply, and, 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 and I'm angry about it, and, um, and, but it's just because it hurt me so badly. I, you know, maybe you're bigger than I am. I, things hurt me sometimes, and, and, and she took me by the hand, and she said, Rhea, don't ever let a spirit of vengeance reside within you. She said it'll destroy you and that other person wins. And I left the restaurant yesterday resolving, saying, you know what? I am not, I'm going to choose to forgive. I'm going to choose to reprocess my anger, my disappointment, my hurt, and, and instead offer, I'm going to offer mercy and grace to that person. I want vengeance. Can I just tell you, I'm only human. I want to see that person hurt for the way they hurt me. But I'm telling you, I understand what vengeance can do. Do you understand what vengeance will do to you? And there's some of you, you are like Joseph. You're mulling it over. You're considering it. You're replaying it over and over in your mind. And that indignation is building inside of you because that's what the word means. And it's building inside of you. And I'm telling you that the Lord is here tonight saying to you, will you reconsider that? Will you frame it a different way? Will you reprocess that disappointment and that anger? into grace and mercy, because it will change your life. It will change your life. I love that Joseph has this, this encounter with the angel, and, and he's considering this, and, and bam, all of a sudden, the angel says, you know, this, this is really like Mary says it is, and, and, and could you just, don't be afraid to go take her as your wife. And the word says that immediately Joseph went and took her to be his wife. Do you just love it? Can you imagine Mary? We don't see any pause in that scripture. And so I wonder if that, that moment, if he got up out of the bed, went over to Mary's house, knocked on the door. Can you imagine her relief when she saw him there? 
Can you imagine? She is thinking he's processing it. He's, she's thinking that he's going to divorce her. She's thinking this relationship is over, that her dreams have absolutely been crushed. And I, I just can't even imagine that. I just pictured it all day today. Him going to that door, knocking on the door and saying, Mary, I've come to take you as my wife. Oh, can I just tell you, good always overcomes evil. Good always overcomes bad. I was reading about, Mo, about uh, Noah, and, and Noah, you'll remember, there, there was a time when Noah was naked, and he was drunk in his tent, and, and one of his sons went, oh, went into his tent, and he exposed his nakedness. And then the two other sons, they backed into the tent, and they didn't look upon his nakedness, and they covered him up. And that's a picture of shame. Nakedness in the Bible is always shame. That's why Adam and Eve were naked, and they felt no shame. But it's a picture of, 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 of Noah's son exposing him and, and, and shaming him even more. And then the other two backing in, not even wanting to look at that and covering his shame up. Oh, I, I love that. I love that long before uh, Joseph had any idea that what Mary said was really true, he was already looking to cover her shame. I wonder what would happen if we lived our life that way. Instead of wanting to hurt people more or shame them even more, what would happen if we covered it? If we reprocessed and offered grace and mercy? What would happen instead of getting even? We trusted God. What would happen if we followed in those footsteps? Isn't that like us? Sometimes somebody hurts us and we're like telling, you know, Susie down the street, can I just tell you what she did to me? And, and, and she said this and she did this and yada, yada, yada. And we, we, we uncover their nakedness. We shame them even more. But what would happen if we covered it? You see, Scripture says that love covers a multitude of wrongdoing. God's love in us covers a multitude of wrongdoing. I know you hurt me. I know you said nasty things. I know you were unkind, but guess what? You don't deserve this, but love, God's love in me covers a multitude of wrongdoing, and I'm not going to give you what you have coming. Instead, I am going to choose to reprocess and, and offer grace and mercy because guess what? That's what God has done for me, and that's the least that I can do is to offer that to somebody else. Joseph immediately did as the angel of the Lord told him, and he went to Mary. It's interesting to me that the next thing we read about is them going to, to um, the, the, there was a census issued in the land, and, and it was probably a hundred-mile trip from where they were to where a census was going to be taking place. And we see that, that Joseph takes Mary, who is nine months pregnant, that hundred-mile trip, to, do the, to take those census. Now, who in their right mind would take a woman nine months pregnant, probably on foot, maybe on donkey, a hundred miles away? That tells me he was worried about leaving her behind. I wonder if people were still talking. You see, the fact that he took her as his wife didn't cover that shame. It only made it worse for him because now people were thinking he got her pregnant out of wedlock. And Joseph, the righteous man, 
would now have been being talked about and looked down on in that community as well. But you see, that's what love does. Love covers a multitude. Love covers. Love covers. There's so much more I want to say to you. I know my time is short and, and, and I need to, to move on. But I, I just wonder how our life would change if the things we pondered and we mauled over in our head. Maybe you're, you're more spiritual than I am, but did you ever lay awake at night and just think things over in your head? You know, maybe somebody hurts you and you lay awake at night and you think, and the next time I see her, I'm going to say this and this and this and, and I'm going to do this. Oh, come on. You know you have. That would be pondering, mulling it over. What happens when life doesn't turn out the way we want it to? When our dreams don't manifest the way we thought they should? We do what Mary and Joseph did. We trust God. We, like Mary, treasure all these things up and we ponder them in our hearts. One last thing I want to tell you about this story before we move on is the, the word says that Mary treasured these things and pondered them in her heart. And that word things there is the word rhema. That's interesting to me. I've been teaching on rhema. I teach a Monday night Bible study, and I've been teaching on the word rhema. And rhema is the aha moments. There are two words for the word, for the, for the word, for, for, for the word word in the Bible. One of them is logos, and one of them is rhema. And rhema is the aha, the, the, the God uttered it into me, the, the, the God spoke it deep within me. Like when I'm reading the word, if I'm just reading the Bible, that, that's logos. That's just words on a page. But who knows that sometimes we start reading, and God just speaks it into our heart, and it goes deep within us. That's a rhema. And, and the word says that Mary treasured these things and pondered them in her heart. I love it. The, the, what it means is that that, that, that Mary pondered until she got the rhema, until she understood. She didn't, she didn't jump into something. She didn't react to the circumstances. Instead, she pondered them. She thought them over. She talked to God about them until he gave her the rhema, the understanding of what was going on in her life. And that's why she could treasure him in her heart. I wonder sometimes, do we do that? When life doesn't turn out the way we want it to, when, when life is full of disappointments, when, when the way we, we dreamed it should be didn't turn out the way it was, I wonder sometimes if we, if we go to God with that and say, God, can you just talk to me about this? Can, can we just talk this through? Lord, I just want you to know how I'm feeling about this. Can you give me revelation? Can you give me a new understanding of it? Because, Lord, I don't want to act out of my flesh. I want to, to please you with my life. I wonder what would happen if we started to live like that. Mary treasured these things and pondered them in her heart. The Bible says, um, I, I love these, these Christmas stories. Do you not love them? The, the gospel writers, they just, it's just such beautiful stories. And they, but, but I love that John, 
the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I love that John's gospel, you see Matthew and Luke start their, their, their gospels with the, the birth narrative. In the beginning, you know, uh, behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Today in the city of David, a savior has been born. That, that's the birth narrative. But, but I love that John starts his, his book a different way. Does anybody know how John starts his gospel? Oh, come on. In the beginning was the, the word. And the word what? And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. I love that. You see, to me, that's the Christmas story. Oh, we know it's a baby in the manger, uh, the, the, the baby who came, to, who came to die so that we could live. But I love that John says, in the beginning was the word, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Oh, I love that it was God incarnate becoming flesh, dwelling among us. Do you see, that's what Christmas is all about. Christmas is about that baby in the manger who came to die so that you and I could live, who didn't leave us as orphans. He left his Holy Spirit so that he could live inside of us. And the word, the Bible, God's word to us could become flesh. We could live it out. We could walk it out. So when he says forgive, the word became flesh and lived in me. I can now walk it out because he lives within me. I have the power to do it. Oh, do you just love that? Do you love that? He made his dwelling among us. One of the, the, the things that I, I talk about a lot is that we need to look different as Christians than the unbeliever down the street. People should look at us and see something different in our life because the word has become flesh, made its dwelling among us, and now lives within us through the power of his Holy Spirit. We have the power of God living within us. We should be able to walk that word out we should look different than the unbeliever down the street. When life doesn't happen the way we want it to happen, we should respond differently because we have the word living within us. Do you see it? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. He walked it out in front of us, and then he left his spirit behind to live within us so that we could follow after his example. I love that we see it played out so beautifully in, in Mary and Joseph. And in the end, they embrace God's plan and his purpose for their life. Do you know that God has a plan and a purpose for your life? Do you know that? The Bible says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but should have eternal life. Do you know that that's Christmas? That baby in the manger was God giving his son, his only son, so that you and I could have life. He came that we would have life and have it more abundantly. The Bible says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Oh, can I tell you, I don't know what works of the devil you see in your life. I, I don't know how, how life has broken you. I don't know what's happened in your life, but I'm here to tell you that Jesus, that baby in the manger, came to destroy the works of the devil in your life. He came so that you would be free, and he who the Son sets free is free indeed. He came that you would have life and have it more abundantly. You see, some of you, you're not living the life he died for you to have. You're living depressed, you're living sad, you're living broken, and he came to set you free. He came, the Bible says, to set the prisoner free, to set the captive free, to heal up broken hearts to take a spirit of heaviness off people and give them a garment of praise instead. 
He came to give you beauty for your ashes and to declare a year of the Lord's favor in your life. Oh, he came for you to be free. And if you're sitting here tonight and you're not free, can I just tell you about my Jesus? Can I tell you about my Jesus? They've asked me to give you an opportunity to know Jesus because, you see, if, if all we're doing is celebrating the Christmas season and we don't understand why he came and we don't receive the gift that he came to bring, that, then, then all that they prepared for tonight really wasn't worth anything. If I don't give you this opportunity to, to take this gift for your, your, your own. You see, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Do you know that? When we were created, can I get you two little things to come up here? Will you come up here? Is that going to make you uncomfortable? Can I grab you up here? Run up here real quickly. Yeah. When God created Adam, and do you, do you know that God created man? You were created. You, you weren't an accident. You weren't the product of, of, of your mother and father saying, let's have a baby. Can I tell you, God created you. He knit you together in your mama's womb. You are here because he said you were going to be here. Oh, he created us. And, and the Bible says that in the garden, uh, God created. You see, everything else, God spoke into being. He, he looked at the earth, and then he spoke, and it came into being. And he said, let there be light, and there was light. Everything he, he created, he spoke except man. The Bible says that man, he said, let's create him in our image. And, and I love it. He got down and dirty, and he got down into the dust of the earth, and he, he formed man. And then the Bible says that he breathed the breath of life into him. Do you know that you have the very breath of God in you? And he created Adam and he created Eve and, and he created them to walk with them and to have fellowship with them. Do you know that he wants fellowship with you? He wants you to know him. He wants you to, to have relationship with him. And hey, tell me your name, darling. Grace. Gra Grace. What a pretty name. I, I want Grace to be, to be um, God. You want to be God? You just pretend. <laughs> But, but God created Adam to walk with him and to have fellowship with him. And, and, and that's what they did in the garden. And then, then God says, everything in this garden you can have except this one thing. Don't eat of that tree. It was the tree of, of good and evil. And he said, whatever you do, or the, the wisdom, or the, the knowledge of good and evil. He said, whatever you do, don't eat of that tree. Well, I don't know about you. Maybe you are, you know not as rebellious as I am, but tell me I can't do something, and it just makes me want to do it, don't you? That's why diets are not any good for me, because don't tell me I can't have chocolate, chocolate cookies, because I'm going to want them even more. That's just who I am. And, and the Bible says that God said, don't eat of that tree, and who knows the first thing that Adam and Eve do when God turns his back is head for the tree, and, and they ate of the tree, and God said to them, do not eat of that tree, or you'll surely die, and who knows that God means what he says. I, I can't tell you much about God other than I'm going to tell you he means what he says. Can I just promise you that? He means what he says. And he says, don't eat of that tree because you will surely die. And Adam and Eve eat of the tree and he comes back into the garden. And, and the Bible says that, that Adam and Eve are hiding and, and God says, where are you? And that always tickles my heart because he's a God who knows everything. Can I, can I tell you, I've done some things in my life and one of the most freeing things in the whole wide world to me is that God knows. 
I didn't have to pretend. I didn't have to, to try to be good enough. I didn't have to hide from him anymore. He already knows. And, and I love that he walks into the garden and he says, Adam and Eve, where are you? And, and, and they come out and, and they were hiding from him. And, and, and he said, did you eat of that tree? And they said, we did. And, and he said, did I not tell you that you would surely die? Because the wages of sin, the wages for disobeying God is death. Did I not tell you you would die? But then, uh, then God finds a, an animal, and he says, you know what? I'll substitute. I'll, I'll, I'll take a substitute here. I'll take that animal's life instead of your life. It'll take the, the death that you deserve so that you can, you can live. Do you, do you love that? Because that's what happened with Jesus. That over and over in the Old Testament, we see the, the, sacrificial, the sacrificial system where you would sin and you would bring this animal to take your death, the death that you deserve. The animal would take its place, and then God's wrath would be satisfied. And, and eventually, God says, you know what? I'm going to send my son, and he's going to be the once and for all sacrifice and the punishment that you and I deserve for sin, because who knows we sin? Now, some of you are sitting there, and you're saying, Maria, I don't sin. Really? I, I don't know. Maybe you don't, but has anybody, have you ever told a lie, you know, just a little white lie, because I know we put that way down here on the sin factor, but anybody ever tell a lie? Uh, sure. Have you ever stolen anything? Maybe, maybe not shoplifted, but, you know, the other day I was at Waukesha State Bank, and, and they have these pens at the counter, and I filled out my deposit slip, and, and I got it back out in my car, and I looked at my hand, and I had the pen in my hand, I'm like, ah! I took their pen. What does that make me? A thief. Now I'm a liar. I'm a thief. Uh, okay, how about this one? Now, I know you're way spiritual, but have you ever looked at a man? I mean, you know. <laughs> and just thought, hmm. <laughs> okay, I know you haven't, but I'm just going to admit that I have. And... What does that make me? Because the Bible says that if you even look at, at, a, at someone with lust in your heart, you're guilty of what? Adultery. So now I'm a liar, I'm a thief, and I'm an adulterer. And guess what? The Bible says that, that the liars, thieves, and adulterers, there's no place for them in the kingdom of heaven. Yikes. Okay, I'm a sinner. Anybody with me? <laughs> the Bible says that all have sinned. Every one of us, hello, don't care how special you are, you have sinned. And if God kept a record of wrongs, who in their right mind could stand? None of us. Okay, the ground is evil, even, and we are all sinners, are we not? We all do wrong. We all disobey God. And the wages of sin is what? Death. But the gift. Oh, somebody say the gift. I brought, I brought a gift. Anybody want a gift tonight? There's something in it. Does somebody want? Thank you. I saw that hand. Come here. <laughs> I saw that hand. How are you, dear one? Good to see you. Um, if my sweet friend Ryan, if, if I wanted her to have this gift, Ryan, what would you have to do? Uh, reach out and grab it. You'd have to reach out and take it. I could stand up here and say, Ryan, come on, take this gift, take this gift, take this gift. And, and unless she reached out and took it from me, what would happen? Be wasted. She has to take it and she has to open it. And that's what God is doing for you, for you tonight. He's saying the wages of sin is death. What you get, what you've earned 
is death. You've disobeyed God. I'm a perfect God. I told you that the wages of sin is death, that, that death must come for your disobedience. And so guess what? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. I got a gift instead. I won't make you pay the wages. You see, I work at Elmbrook Church, and, and, and I work on staff there, and every two weeks I get a check. That's my wages. It's what I earned. And God is saying, I'm not going to give you what you earned. I want you to take my gift instead. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. You say, well, Rhea, I don't understand. Now, Grace, tell me your name. Lisa. You've been so good to sit up here, Lisa. You're going to be Jesus. <laughs> God and Jesus. But now, remember, Grace, I told you, my God, I'm sorry, Grace, um, created Adam to walk with her with them, to fellowship with them in the garden. And then sin separated them. I can't be with God anymore because I'm sinful. I've disobeyed him. And it's put separation between me and him. And so, how are you doing, God? And God doesn't want us to be separated. He doesn't want that space between us. And so what he did is he sent his son the perfect sacrifice, the once and for all sacrifice. We didn't need to find animals anymore to appease the wrath of God, to take our death. God said, I'm sending my son. He's the gift. And the punishment that you and I deserve, the Bible says, was on Jesus on the cross of Calvary. And when he died on the cross of Calvary, come here, Grace. When he died on the cross of Calvary, that cross bridged the gap so that I can now get to God. He made a way for me to get back to God, to be in fellowship with God again. But it only happens through Jesus, through that gift. And so tonight he's saying to you, that baby born in the manger came to bridge that gap, came so that you could be back into fellowship with God so that you didn't have to pay the wages that you earned, so that you didn't have to have eternal separation from God. And you know what? I, I don't want to scare you, but I'm just going to tell you the truth. Just because we don't preach it anymore doesn't mean it's not true. There is a heaven and there's a hell. And, and those places are eternal. That means they're forever. There's no end. You see, some of you live like this is the world that, that, that we live for. Oh, can I tell you, if this is the world I, I live for, I got ripped off. I, I've had some pain in my life. Can I tell you that? And if this is what life is all about, I got royally ripped. But you see, there is another life. This life is a vapor. It's passing by. It's a breath. This is not what life is all about. It's the next one that we live for. And that one's eternal. That's forever. And can I just ask you tonight, where are you going to spend eternity? You see, if you die tomorrow, can you look me in the eye and say, Rhea, I have no doubt in my mind that I have taken that gift and I am headed to heaven. I'm headed to heaven. That I am not separated from God anymore. That I might have earned the wages, but I took the gift. Uh, I, I wonder if you can't say that tonight. Would you be willing to admit that? That's what the gift is all about. Eternal separation. Hell. The Bible says that hell is a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth, of eternal torment. Is that really where you want to spend eternity forever? Or do you want to spend eternity with God? Where there's no pain and there's no weeping. <laughs> and it's a place of great joy. No heartache. Where do you want to spend it? You say, well, Rhea, I'm young. 
Leslie, Leslie and I were in the airport this past weekend. We travel on the weekends and doing conferences, and, and I just love what God does, and, and, and we just are like, Lord, we're here, and, and, and use us wherever you, when we go into an airport, we're like, where are you working, and how can we join you, and we were all sitting on the floor in the airport, and, and I had my bags all over, and there were backpacks all sprawled out, we had ourselves sprawled out, our computers were open, we were working, and all of a sudden, this man comes up, and he's, he's pushing somebody on a wheelchair, and he wheels them right in front of us, in fact, he stops, and he's like, he's waiting for for us to move our bag. And in my mind and in my flesh, I'm thinking, hello, there's a whole airport. Do I have to move my backpacks? But he waits. And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, this must be God. And so I smile at him and I get up and I move the backpacks and he parks that man in the wheelchair right in front of us. And then I happen to see the man. And he was as close to death as anybody I've ever seen in my life. And he was sliding out of the wheelchair, and his wife was flustered. And, and, and I went up to her, and I said, ma'am, could we pray for your husband? And she said, would you please? And I said, tell me what's wrong with him. And she said, he's in the final stages of cancer. And, and she said, I'm just trying to get him home. And, and we began to pray over this man. And Leslie just began to speak the name of Jesus over him. She just kept saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then we heard him say, I see, I see. And his wife said, what are you seeing, honey? What are you seeing? And Leslie, if I'm lying, I'm dying. It's the truth. His wife looked at me and said, you need to get the paramedics. And I, I ran over to the desk. We, we, we got the, the, um, the uh, customer service agent there to call the, the paramedics. They came in. Uh, there was a doctor there. He took him out of the wheelchair. And he said, rigor mortis is already setting in. And they loaded him up on the stretcher, and he said to, his, to this woman, we, d we don't expect him to live. And they were coming back from a cruise. They had just been on a cruise, and bam, life changed. Let me ask you if that was you, and life changed for you. Where would you spend eternity? Because it could be you tomorrow. We have no guarantees. And that, my friends, is what Christmas is all about. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. He's offering that gift tonight to you. Please, if you didn't listen to anything else I said tonight, listen to this. You need Jesus. And if you don't know that you know that you know that you have him, you need to take that gift tonight. Can I just tell you that I, I've been recently diagnosed with um, skin cancer and no big deal normally except that the skin cancer that I have has um, invaded the nerve in my face. And, and they say that that means it can metastasize throughout my body very quickly. And, and while I don't believe that's going to happen, can I just tell you this, that it's made me have to look at my life and say, will I be here next Christmas? It's funny how things can change overnight. But I'm here to promise you that I know that if I'm not here next Christmas, absent from the body, I'm going to be present with the Lord. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I've already said to Leslie and my husband, this is what I want. I want a party. I want streamers. I want those things that go, Whoop! 
I, I want them. I, I don't want it to be sad and somber. I want a party because this girl knows that I know that I know. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. And can I tell you that if anybody in this whole church has ever earned the wages of sin, you are looking at her. I did everything I could possibly do in my life. I earned those wages. But I'm telling you, I took the, I took the gift. I took the gift, and my sin was washed away on the cross of Calvary. The, the punishment that I deserve, Christ paid for on the cross, and now I can have fellowship with God. I can live in his presence in eternity again, and that's what Christmas is all about. And I'm going to let you go because I know we're late, but I just want to give you an opportunity to receive that gift. You say, well, Rhea, why does that have to be public? Because every person I ever saw Jesus call in the Bible was done publicly. He says, if you deny me before man, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. And I'm sorry, but if you can't raise your hand and say, I want that gift, then you probably don't want it enough. You say, well, Rhea, massive loss of cool points. No, massive loss of cool points in hell. That's where you're going to lose some cool points, can I just tell you? <laughs> I promise you, the person sitting next to you will celebrate with you. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. The Bible says that the angels in heaven rejoice. They have a party over one sinner repenting. Is there anybody here tonight that would say, Rhea, I want that gift I don't know if I'm that person in the airport, if, if I were to die. I don't know if I'd go to heaven. You can know. You can know. And if that's you and you want that gift, would you just raise your hand? You put it right back down. Thank you. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. You can put them right back down. I can't pick you out. I'm not going to come up to you afterwards. I need to get home. I have a little girl at home, but... So don't be afraid. Don't think I'm going to, she's going to call me out. No, you're going to get a gift. That's what you're going to get. Is there anybody else? Say, Rhea, I, that's me. I just want to know. I want to know. I want that gift. Anyone else? Lots of hands, but are there anybody else? You, thank you. Thank you for that hand. Here's what I know. I just have to tell you this, that God does this to me every single time, and and I'm going to come down there because sometimes you think, well, if she says it one more time. <laughs> and, and you have this stuff in your throat where it's like really pounding and you think, mm, I'm almost there. And, you know, one of these things. Can you just give me one of those things then? <laughs> yeah. Anybody else? Please don't let this pass by. Please. This is why he came. This is what Christmas is all about. I promise you that you receive this gift. Your Christmas is going to rock your world. It's going to rock your world because your life is going to change. Oh, it's, it, oh. Anyone else? It's the best decision I ever made in my whole entire life. See, some of you, you've done some things. And you say, Rhea, I've I got to get my life together first. Oh, please. If I had waited till I got my life together, I would still be waiting. You can't do it yourself. You need him. You need him. 
He loves you. Can I tell you? I've known a lot of loves in my life. <laughs> but I've never known a love like this. He loves you. His love is unfailing. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He wants you to know a love like that. No man has ever loved you like that. Trust me. I got the best. And his love pales in comparison to my Jesus. He came that you'd have life. He wants to wash that sin away. He wants to take your guilt and your shame and set you free. I just have a sense in my spirit that, that there are, there's somebody here fighting an addiction. And you feel like you need to get that clean before you do this. No, he wants you right where you are. He'll take care of your addiction. He'll take care of it. So one last time before I pray. Anybody else? Woohoo! Do you know how much he loves you? Do you know how much he loves you? He loves her. That could have stopped. Do you just love that? Oh, come on, guys. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. So I'm going to just pray with you before I go. And um, those of you that raised your hand, I, I want you to pray this prayer with me. There, there's nothing, there's no magical formula. You don't have to say all the right words. Here's what you're saying. I know that I earned some wages and they were bad ones. I know that I disobeyed you, God. I know that I sinned. But I thank you for the gift and I want to receive it. And I'm taking that thing tonight and I'm making it my own. I want you, Jesus, in my life. That's all you're saying. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, those of you that raised your hand, I want you to just repeat this prayer with me out loud. Those of you who, who didn't raise your hand, I'm just going to tell you that, that if you didn't raise your hand, I'm assuming you already prayed this prayer. And so I just want you to pray it out loud with me again just to remind you. I, I love the, the scripture that, that says, I think it's in Revelation, where, where he says, you've grown lukewarm. <laughs> you've lost your first love. And, and I'm going to spit you out of, your, out of my mouth. But, but you need to do what you did at first. Repent and remember the height from which you've fallen. And those of you that have already prayed this prayer, you just need to think about it again, and you need to remember the height from which you've fallen. You need to remember what you've been forgiven for, and restore unto me the joy of my salvation, he says. Remember your first love. And so those especially who have raised their hand, would you just pray with me? You can just borrow my words and, and say, Father, I know that I'm a sinner. Father, I know that I'm a sinner. I do wrong. I disobey you. I've earned the wages. But I thank you for the gift. I thank you that Jesus died for me. He took my place so that I could have life abundant. I give you my life. I receive the gift. I ask you to wash me, cleanse me, and make me your own. 
And Father, I just thank you that every woman who prayed that tonight, those hands that went up, I thank you, Father, that that was not just this, this, this uh, emotional thing. I thank you that the word says, if you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart, you shall be saved. It's that simple. We complicate it. And I thank you, Father, that those women are saying, I believe that you died so I could be free. I believe that you took my place on the cross. I believe that you can set me free. And, and Lord, they're confessing you. They're saying, I want you to be my Lord. Now I pray, Father God, that you would come and through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would fill them, fill them. Your word says that you'll come and take up residency within them, that you will dwell within them, that you'll make your home, that you'll abide within them. And Father, I pray that right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would just come and fill each one of them, Lord, who raised their hand. Let them know that they've passed over from, from darkness into light, from death into life. And Father, let them know that they can look forward to an eternal life with you in heaven. I pray that you give them a hunger, Lord, a hunger and a thirst after righteousness. I pray, Father God, that, that, that you would help them to walk close with you and obey you and, and that you would get them into your word and give them a revelation of your word. Get them connected in a church, Lord God. Bring somebody alongside of them to disciple them. Lord, we commit them to your faithful hands. And we just thank you, Lord. And we praise you for your indescribable gift. And we give you glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.